You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. David might have been, you know, contemplating, hey, has God forgotten his promise that he had made to me concerning the throne and him sitting upon the throne? But you know what? God's ways are not our ways. When God speaks to us or, or uh, we receive a promise in, in his word, you know, we're expecting it to immediately be realized, but sometimes it takes time. We need to just continue in faith and trust God that He will make good on all of the promises that He's made to us. Fifteen years is a long time to wait for God to follow through on His promise. Sometimes God opens door after door for you, but as David experienced, sometimes God calls you and it seems like you hit wall after wall in following Him. We tend to assume that we must have misheard God when this happens. That isn't always the case. As we'll be reminded in today's message from Pastor Mike, those challenges can be a good sign that you are on the right path, because the enemy will fight you every step of the way. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2, as he begins his message, The King of Judah. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 2, and it happened after this. And that phrase, after this, is a reference to the success of a successful campaign to track down the Amalekites, who just had ransacked David's city. And at the present time, David and his men and their families were living in the city of Ziglag. And the Amalekites, during that pillage of that city, Uh, ransacked the city, carried away the wives, the children, and also all of their possessions. But nevertheless, uh, David, being led of the Lord, was able to recover all that was uh, lost. And then also, this is also a reference to the news uh, that had just been brought back to David about King Saul and his three sons' death and the decisive victory that the Philistines had over Israel. So that phrase there, after this, that's a reference to those things, the previous uh, couple of chapters. So anyway, it happened after this that David inquired of the Lord. And I want to encourage you guys to underline that phrase, inquired of the Lord, because that's a secret, but the truth of the matter is it's no secret at all. But that's the secret to David's success. And that enabled David to continue to move and live in the center of God's will for his life. He inquired of uh, the Lord. 
And uh, this was so very, very important. And it was during that time that God had, uh, that David had inquired of the Lord that God had revealed his perfect will and plan for David's life. And so the question that he asked, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? Notice here also that God is so faithful in responding to David's request. And you know what's really amazing about this? And I don't have this in my notes, but you know what's really so amazing about this? Think about, you know, go back for the last couple of chapters, like, for example, in 1 Samuel. You know, David is now living among the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, the Philistines, the uncircumcised, right? The worldlings, if you will. And, uh, and he was actually ready to go up against his own countrymen, Israel, in battle along with the Philistines. At this time, he had become a vassal, uh, actually, of the Philistines. He's living in one of the Philistine cities, Ziglag. Uh, not only uh, that, but during that time, David and his men became a bunch of marauders. And they were actually attacking some of the cities in the north. And uh, not only were they pillaging those cities, but they were killing every person uh, that uh, lived in those cities, men, women, and children as well. So think about it. This is the hero of God, our hero, right? Uh, David, the man after God's own heart. But nevertheless, it seems as if over the last couple of uh, studies, he had actually turned his back upon God and Israel. But nevertheless, notice when David comes to his senses and he begins once again to inquire of the Lord. Nevertheless, God is faithful to respond. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's just like, you know, one step back. It's sort of like the prodigal son who came to his senses and then went back to his father's home. It's only one step back. You might feel as if right now you're a million miles away from God. But listen, it's only one step back. And you'll find as you're heading back towards your father's house, your heavenly father's house, he'll be on that road to receive you once again as one of his sons or one of his daughters. And so God is so faithful to respond to the prayers of his uh, people. So anyway, and the Lord said to him, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? And he said to him, Hebron. And so David went up there and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, that is, uh, all of those mercenaries who had joined uh, David uh, there in the city of uh, Ziglag, uh, his ragtag army, if you will, these mercenaries, every man with his household, so along with his, their uh, wives and their children, and so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Okay, so David knew at this time that God had anointed him to be Israel's next king, but for more than 15 years, it seems as if he has been driven further and further from realizing God's will for his life. You know, I, I couldn't help but think, I, I was wondering if, you know, David might have been, you know, contemplating, hey, has God forgotten his promise that he had made to me concerning the throne and him sitting upon the throne? But you know what? God's ways are not our ways. When God speaks to us or or we receive a promise in his word, you know, we're expecting it to immediately be realized, but sometimes it takes time. We need to just continue in faith and trust God that he will make good on all of the promises that he's made to us. And also remember at this time, Ziglag, 
And that's exactly where David was living at this time. It was also his base of military operations, is in ruins. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Amalekites had ransacked uh, the city of Ziglag while David and his men uh, joined forces with the Philistines to go up against his own countrymen, uh, Israel. And so he left Ziglag unprotected. And while the city remained unprotected, the Amalekites came in and they pillaged the city. As I mentioned before, they carried away the women and the children and all of the uh, possessions. But nevertheless, uh, God was faithful in uh, the recovery of all of the families and all of the possessions. But now he's gone back to the city of Ziglag. And David at this time must have wondered whether or not to rebuild the city of Ziglag or is this the time that the Lord was going to make him the leader of his people, the next king over Israel? Well, anyway, to ascertain God's will, notice David inquires of the Lord. Verse 1, shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And then notice God is faithful to answer and he says, go up. And then David narrows it down and he asks, where shall we go up? And then God, once again, is faithful to reply, the city of Hebron. And we're not exactly sure how God spoke to him. Uh, maybe it was through the Urim and Thummim. Uh, that is, that set of two objects used by the high priest to answer questions or to reveal uh, God's will or to ascertain God's will that was located in the ephod or the breastplate of the high priest. So maybe that was the way that God had spoken to David. Or maybe it was through the casting of lots. That was another way that Israel during this time ascertained the will of God. Or maybe it was through a, some kind of a prophetic utterance. Or maybe it was just simply God had spoken uh, to David, as he did many of the other Bible characters in the Old Testament. But we're not quite uh, sure. But listen, this is what we should take away from this. If we inquire of the Lord, you can be sure that he will speak to us. And how does God speak to us? Uh, well, in a variety of different ways. You know, I don't know if we can all expect God speaking to us in an audible uh, voice, but God more than likely will speak to you through his word. And I'm trusting that God will do exactly that uh, this morning. You know, as we're gathered together week in and week out on a Sunday morning or Thursday evening or, you know, whatever, in one of our uh, seminars or men's fellowships, women's fellowships, God, even in our prayer meetings, you know, God speaks to his people. So that's just one of a variety of different ways that God speaks to us. He might speak to us through another person. Uh, you know, you're sharing the things that are going on in your life and and uh, you're encouraged and exhorted by a brother or a sister. Uh, but nevertheless, in all of these different ways, a variety, you know, just through our circumstances, we really can't explain the way things are unfolding in your life's experience unless you put God behind those circumstances. So God speaks to his people through a variety of different ways. But once again, be sure that God, if we make our appeal unto him, will speak. Now, the city of Hebron, some background information. <clears throat> excuse me, was about 19 miles south, southwest of the city of Jerusalem. It was earlier known as Kiriath Arba, according to the book of Judges in chapter 1 and verse 10. And uh, that location probably familiar to many of you because that was where Abraham and Sarah lived, uh, the characters of the book of Genesis, Abraham the father of the faith. It was also where 
uh, both Abraham and Sarah were buried in the cave of Machpelah, close to the walls of the city. Now, it is likely, so just some background concerning the city of Hebron. Now, it is also likely that when David went to Hebron, as he was instructed by God, he was accompanied by approximately 2,000 people. Uh, so the company that followed David had increased uh, quite uh, uh, largely, and uh, 2,000 possibly in all. His men, and remember that were a part of uh, the mercenaries who had joined David, were 600, and, uh, but not only the 600 military men, but also their wives and their children. So it is possible that 2,000 uh, at this time uh, were following uh, David, and so they also went up with David to Hebron. And how did the people of Hebron receive David and his followers? Could you imagine? 2,000 people just show up on your doorstep in the city that you live in, right? How would you have responded? And remember, David at this time was perceived in some quarters as an outlaw, uh, as an enemy of Israel, because he was a vassal of the Philistines. Who, who, and, uh, and remember, David was also ready to go to war against his own countrymen. And if it wasn't for God intervening sovereignly on David's part, remember, God would not allow David uh, to do that. Uh, remember, the lords of the Philistines were thinking, you know, what's David and his men uh, join our company? And they were concerned about that in the heat of the battle against Israel, that David and his men would turn against the Philistines. And so David was dismissed, and he was sent back to the city of uh, Ziglag. So in a sovereign way, God, you know, intervened and wouldn't allow David to participate in that battle. Well, also remember, after overtaking the Amalekites, he went back to Ziglag only to find out that the city had been ransacked, everybody had been carried off and by the Amalekites, recovering all that they had pillaged from Ziglag and the surrounding cities, David, upon his conquest and return, sent gifts to various cities of Judah. And one of those cities, according to 1 Samuel in chapter 30 and verse 31, was guess what? The city of, come on, come on. Now, I know you usually answer this question correctly. It was Hebron. It, right. Remember now, David and his men are showing up on the doorstep of the city of uh, Hebron. And we're trying to answer the question, how did the inhabitants of that city receive David? Remember him giving those gifts that were sent to these various cities that were located in the southern part of uh, Israel. This was a kingly gesture on David's part. And so therefore, David was seen as a conquering hero, skillful in battle. And when he shows up on Hebron's doorstep, asking permission to settle on their land, the residents would have been glad to have David bolster their militia providing added protection against attacks on their villages. And according to verse 11 here in chapter 2, notice we are told that David and his men dwelt there in the city of Hebron for a period of seven and a half years. And so anyway, with the resettlement completed, David waits for God to reveal the next step in his will. You know what I really like about this too? Was, and David is just waiting, right? 
He's just waiting for that next uh, step. Uh, and he's considering, remember also, this is a part of the equation. He's thinking about, should I rebuild the city of Ziglag, or is this the time when God is going to place me upon the throne of uh, Israel? But you know what? What I love about this is that David left the advancement of self in God's hands. And I would encourage you to do exactly that as well. You know, maybe as it relates to our places of employment, you're hoping for a better position, you know, at your places of employment. You know, just wait upon the Lord. Remember, God placed you in that position, and so therefore it becomes his responsibility to advance uh, you in that place. Just leave it in God's hands. And if you think about it, the result of that is there's no strife, right? You're not concerned about it. You just, you know, let God do it. God has a purpose and a plan for me being here, so I'm not going to strive. And uh, so there's no strife. There's an absence of that. There's no envy, you know, of what other people uh, have advanced in your company. I'm just using this as, as that particular example. And there's just that peace. And there's no striving. So I'd encourage you to do likewise, even as David uh, did. And, and he knew that one day he would ascend to the throne. But again, he's not concerned about the advancement of self. He's just leaving it all in God's hands. And I think that it would serve us well to do likewise. Okay, let's pick up now in chapter 2. Let's go on and read verses 4 through 7. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told, so obviously this was the next step in God's plan. And they told David, saying, the men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Remember, the Philistines, after their battle and after they killed uh, Saul and his sons, uh, they beheaded David, uh, rather Saul, and then they pinned the bodies of Saul and his sons to the walls of the cities of the Philistines, you know, making a mockery uh, of them. Sort of like a, uh, I guess, uh, what would you refer, like a trophy uh, that they had taken in their battle against uh, the Israelites. And news had come back to the inhabitants, the, the valiant men, and that's the way that we were introduced to them, that lived in the city of Jabesh Gilead. And so by night, they went into that city, they stole the bodies, they brought them back, uh, they burnt the bodies, buried the bones, remember? And uh, so the valiant men of Jabesh uh, Gilead. So here, David is addressing uh, this company of valiant men. And they told David, saying, the men of Jabesh Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. And so David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead, and there's a purpose in this, I'll get to it in a moment, and said to them, you are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown the kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried them. And now, remember, Saul, you know, in spite of all of his disobedience, he was still God's anointed. And uh, so they were not only making a mockery of Saul, but they were also making a mockery of God who anointed Saul as king over Israel. So we need to think of it in that way as well. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing, rescuing their bodies and burying them. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant for your master Saul is dead and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over uh, them. Now, we don't know exactly how long it took for the men of Judah to decide to make David their king. 
but they realize that they are leaderless with Saul's death. And they fear that they will be powerless to resist the Philistines if they try to seize their land. So they're probably thinking, we need someone to rally us together. Someone who is capable in battle. Someone who is a unifier. And guess who that person was? It was David. So obviously, they decide to break away from their brethren in the north, and they appoint their own leader. Well, after the men of the different towns and villages approach David with their request to be their new king, he accepts, and they anoint him king over Judah. And let me tell you something. This was no walk in the park. And I don't, I don't personally believe that this is exactly what David was looking for, nor did he expect. Because the reality was, in accepting, David conferred upon the people of Judah a greater honor than they bestow upon him. I mean, if you think about it, really, what did David have to gain by accepting that position? There's no pomp and circumstance. I, I, I would imagine that David was expecting that. I'm going to be the next king over Israel. Certainly, there would have been uh, some pomp and circumstance, some kind of a ceremony uh, to induct him as the next king over uh, Israel. But there's an absence of that. The kingdom at that time, Judah, is small. The problems he will face are out of proportion to the size of the realm. And then also the people of Judah were notorious for their vacillation because they were easily intimidated by their enemies. So listen, this was a difficult job that David was about to assume as their king. Okay, so that begs the question then, why did David accept? Well, far from what Again, considering that this was far from what he had imagined. Now, why would we accept an invitation to do whatever we've been asked to do, right? And it may be some difficult kind of a task. Uh, maybe here in the church, uh, one of the pastors will ask you to take up uh, a ministry or to develop a new ministry. And uh, you know that's going to involve a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, it's going to involve also uh, sacrifice. So why would you even consider accepting that kind of an invitation? Well, why did David accept that invitation? Well, there was that inner assurance that he was in the perfect will of God. And he also knew that to accept that invitation was better than any pageantry or lavish functions or impressive crowds. He was doing what he did because he believed that this was what God had called him to do. And so listen, if you ever ask, you know, so-and-so, would you please consider getting involved in this ministry or developing that kind of a ministry or at your place of employment and your employer ask you to do this or that, please take that into consideration. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my... We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many, and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. 
Yet, he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. And God can use you, too. Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and He's merciful, and He has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness, and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.